Hey everybody, this is the Never Heard of It podcast. This is a show where we talk about the movies that have fallen through our cracks and yours. I'm Sean Harwell, joined as always by co-host Craig Moorhead. Craig, how are you? Sean, I'm doing great. And I just noticed something for the very first time is that uh, when we go from talking just to each other, chatting before the show, and then you go into your announcer, I think your voice actually drops an entire octave. I try. I'm trying to go yeah. even more. You kind of go as low as you can go. Mm-hmm. Eventually, I'll just sound like a sloth. Mm. That'd be nice. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like that's the only area where, because it's so canned and rehearsed, that I, I just, my mind just automatically definitely goes, well, how, how much cheesier can I make this? Fair enough. And that's, Fair uh, enough. that's it. I got to work on the radio voice. That's true. Mm, that's not very good. You got to so, have yeah. some personality. Yeah. I don't think that exi- does that is there anybody in the podcast world that you can think of that's like yeah, they sort of sound like they've got radio voice. No, I always kind of thought of podcasts in general as sort of being like radio shows but in your pajamas, you know. Like no one had to really <laughs> go to be work a professional anymore, you know. <laughs> they could yeah. just kind of talk like normal people. So yeah, I, I kind of miss that. I mean, like 40s and 50s, seems like all those guys sounded exactly the same. You yeah, know, you had that thing to it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. We'll work on that. Maybe season five, that's when we just completely commit to different voices. Yeah. Over the winter break, we'll do like voice lessons and stuff. And just really get into it. I mean, I think there's still the NPR school, you know, the Sarah Koenig on Serial to me mm-hmm. sort of has the NPR thing. But also, like, I think she's probably coming from that world anyway, unless I'm mistaken. Uh, I mean, obviously, Ira Glass, This American Life, some of the people on that yeah. have that thing. And, well, didn't Mark Maron, he worked for, why are we talking about other podcasts? <laughs> I don't know. We're giving them a lot of free just, ad yes. space here. All these people that need zero free advertising. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I guess we're just giving people, Craig. Yeah, we're just give and we give and we never take. Well, do you want to give a little bit more and tell people where they can come say hello? I would love to, Sean. Uh, mm. If you give a crap about this podcast, get in contact with us. You can uh, find us on Twitter at Never Podcast, on Facebook at Never Podcast, and on Instagram you'll find us at NHOIT Podcast because Instagram just wouldn't let us have it. Just couldn't let us have it. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, you can find us in... Uh, all those three places you can uh, canned. You can contact us if there's something you'd like us to watch or if you heard something on the show you'd like to comment on, like, let us know. Um, we love to hear from anyone who's listening. Anyone, anyone at all. Uh, you can find the podcast itself on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Anchor, Overcast, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public. I'm sure you can find it in a few more places, but... Wherever you find it, if you could review it and subscribe, that would help us out a lot. Um, And we're all about being helped. We're just reaching out a hand. The whole podcast, Sean, I I think you'd agree. This is all a cry for help. (laughs) It is. This is just a a really extended, yeah, yeah, cry for help. It's like a funeral. Yeah. Just, just, yeah, absolutely. Um. Well, in the in the spirit of of helping, I'd like to thank once again Todd Rohall, who was on our last full 
episode. Yes. And as I struggle to form these words, he helped us talk, <laughs> which we apparently need, or at least I do, um, about the movie Funky Forest, The First Contact. And that was a lot of fun. You know, I will also apologize. My audio crapped out on me a little bit. And so it sounds not great on my end. But fortunately, there were three of us. So that's only like one third of the show is me. Mm-hmm. So that was nice. And there was stuff even listening to it. And I edited this thing, like even listening to it after I had edited the whole thing, I still found myself laughing out loud a couple of times at some some things that that you guys said, not me. Well, I'll tell you what. Todd is a great guest. Mm -hmm. Uh, He kills it every single time. Uh, And your editing of the podcast, honestly, was great. That was... Man, yeah, it. I, I, I thought that whole... I guess the main thing is I always uh, think of everything I said later and I'm like, man, I was terrible on that episode. And then when I listened to it again, it was like, oh, I wasn't terrible. Like, I thought I was just ruining the entire thing, but I wasn't. And uh, that's, I think, due mostly to your editing and the fact that mm. you and Todd uh, hopefully did most of the talking. I don't think it quite worked out that way. You're being humble, but mm, I, don't know. I don't know. Should we just keep talking about us or should we move on? It's better than talking about other people, I feel like. It but yeah, we should be. probably move on to the movie. Okay, well, let's do that right after we find out what else you've watched, Greg. Oh, that's a great idea. Thank you, Sean. Um, I've watched two movies since the last time we recorded. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've watched a couple of uh, TVs. Hmm? I've watched a couple of shows on TV. <laughs> but probably uh, on a couple of TVs, On right? a couple of TVs, at least. Okay, good. So you were uh, telling the truth. Right. The movies, I wasn't super excited about the movies, but we watched Trolls World Tour. Oh, yeah. How is that? My daughter's pretty gung-ho now to watch it, finally. Very colorful. <laughs> um, Keenan, uh, oh, God, what's his name? Keenan Thompson? Yeah. From Saturday Night Live? Yeah. Uh, his voice is in it, and I mean, that guy is funny to me no matter what. Yeah, I like He him. could yeah. just look at me, and I'd probably start laughing. <laughs> I'm see- Like, that guy, he just, he just, I don't know, he kills me. Um, I mean, a lot of good, a lot of good talent in it. It's not, it's, it's, it's fun to look at. Um, okay. But I, I wasn't like, didn't like love the story necessarily, but it was fun. Uh, we watched Frozen 2 today because we're celebrating early my daughter's birthday. Oh, happy birthday, Grace. Thank you very much. Um, and you've I'll seen this before, along. right? You guys saw it in the theater, if memory serves. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we saw it in the theater, and, and I was kind of like, eh, it's not lukewarm, as, right? You not not lukewarm. as good as the first one, yeah. And again, after this one, obviously, uh, I had a little more fun with it this time because I already knew what was going to happen, what I was in for. Yeah. Um, but man, there are, I have so many questions after that movie of <laughs> just like, <laughs> Why did this happen, and who did this thing, and <sighs> why did this happen with that? Um, you just got to go into the unknown, Craig. You don't. I know. Ask you questions. really you go yeah. go into the unknown, and Follow then just the right into the credits. Um, so again, a, a similar experience. Like a, a lot of a lot of good talent. Hmm. Very pretty looking movie. Didn't really Beautiful. move me that much. Uh, and on TV, uh, rewatching Mind Hunter because the wife has not seen any of it. And normally she's not into this kind of stuff at all. Uh, this is the show on Netflix, the David yeah. Fincher show. With Kristoff uh, from Frozen, Frozen Exactly. <laughs> Which is what got her into it in the first place. And Hamilton, yeah. Yeah. And he's great. He's, he's, he's perfect for it. Um, but obviously it's very disturbing. We're just starting the second season, which I think is more disturbing than the first season. 
So we're going to see how, if, if we get through this. But I, I really like that show. And finally, she introduced me to a show on also on Netflix called Midnight Diner, which mm. is a Japanese, half-hour Japanese show. Most of it happens inside this really tiny, like, ramen joint in Tokyo. Um, and And as we've said to each other so many times, it's like the plots are so sort of easygoing and maybe even threadbare i guess that it's like after having watched it it's like you haven't watched anything at all it like <laughs> it's it just, just like a hangout show sort it of. just dissolves in front of you as yeah, yeah and like 20 minutes later you're like oh okay that's over it's very calm uh and it's it, it's it's kind of funny so does anyway, it make you want to just eat ramen all day long? It does. Oh, I mean, God, it makes me yeah. want to go into one of those places and just order yeah. something because everything that guy makes just looks so good. But uh, and at the end of every episode, they they sort of give you the recipe, like the 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 cast kind of like tells you how to make the thing that he made. Oh, look at that! It's Have you tried funny. doing any of that? No, no. Okay. Uh, I try not to cook things because I'll just waste food and. Uh, my wife, she, she, she already knows too many things. So I think there's a podcast opportunity here for your wife then is to do like an episode by episode recap and then make the recipe and then you guys dish it out over the dish. You could be right. Or be more popular than this. I guarantee you. Well, that wouldn't be hard, (laughs) Right. but if she had a podcast and I was the one making it and then she had to eat the food. Oh, even funnier, right? That would be, yeah, that that would be true comedy. She'd have to be brutally honest with you. That's the only way you can make oh, it work. She would, she would have no problem doing that. But Sean, that's all I've watched. What about you? First of all, how hard is it to make ramen? I mean, you just boil it, it for three minutes and put in the package of seasoning. It doesn't seem hard. Call it a until minute. Until you've had time. bad ramen. Mm, I know, yeah. I know. Um, I have also watched two things and one TV thing. Mm-hmm. Um, oddly enough, like right after Todd talked about the documentary Boys State, I got an email from the Nashville Film Festival that I took part in last year, and they were like, hey, anybody who wants to watch Boys State, Dang. clicky, clicky this, and you'll get an, uh, an RSVP and a link from Apple. Well, that's So I was cool. like, well, I need to watch this now after Todd just <laughs> talked about this thing. <clears throat> Excuse me, it's making me verklempt. Mm-hmm. Now, it's really good, uh, and I think August 14th is the date that is going to pop up on Apple TV+, Plus. so mm-hmm. that could be right around the time this drops, or even after it, uh, or even before it drops, I don't know, so it may be out there right now, I definitely recommend it, um, it is about a program where uh, high school students sort of fashion their own government, two-party government, uh, within the span of like two weeks. Mm -hmm. And these boys are all from Texas and some of them run for governor. And yeah, it's it's all the things that Todd said about being fascinating and hopeful and also depressing and blah, blah, blah. Also, Craig, same director as the guy, uh, as the documentary, The Overnighters that we did many moons ago. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, Jesse Moss, I believe is his name. Yeah, uh, he has a co-director and Amanda McBain on this film, so yeah, check that out for sure. I think it's a it's a winner. Cool. Also checked out a film called Little Fugitive from 1953. You know anything about this movie? Uh, no, Three Fugitives. 
Yeah. I think it's what I'm thinking. So no, I don't think I know Little Fugitive. Uh, I was not too familiar with it either. It's on the Criterion channel. I, I did sort of read a little bit about it. A UNCSA student had written an article about it and being sort of an inspiration for the French New Wave. And you can kind of see that in this film. It's really interesting. It's um, actual child actors, you know, who don't appear to be acting very much at all, um, but just sort of following day in the life kind of thing uh, in and around Coney Island and the older brother uh, of these two siblings and some friends play this really mean prank uh, yeah. on the on their younger brother. And that sort of like is your inciting incident for the rest of the day. But I mean, as far as I can tell, like this is, you know, just a, an extreme example of very early American independent film. It had three mm -hmm. directors, one of which was a woman, which is certainly uncommon for the time. So worth checking out. It's pretty interesting. It's this easy thing to sort of breeze through. It's 80 minutes long. Awesome. Recommend it. A little fugitive. Lastly, Craig, I finished season two of Avatar, The Last Airbender. Yeah, we just finished that uh, about a week ago. How, how are you liking it? Oh, man, that was a good season. That was a good ending yeah. to that season, I thought. Yes. Yeah, I'm I'm really curious to see where that last season goes now. And, um, yeah, I just thought it was tremendously the last um, – five, six episodes probably that just built really nicely and, and concluded nicely. One of the yeah. things that I noticed about this sort of long-form animation that must be just wonderful for the makers is I bet they don't have to worry about the thing that you do in live action with casting where, you know, on that show they'll have like a character pop up in one episode and just not at all show up again for another like six, seven right. episodes, right? Right. And that does happen a little bit in TV, but it's way, way more expensive. I mean, sometimes, because like I learned some of this with HBO, I remember with Eastbound, it's like um, the difference between like a, you know, a recurring character or regular or like featuring or like also appearing, like all that stuff. It's sort of about how much you are willing to pay to book them for the entire shoot sometimes because... Otherwise, they're just like, no, I'll go, I can go schedule a movie or two other things in that amount of time. You know, yeah. sorry, if you need me in two episodes, um, you got to either adjust your schedule or you're going to pay me for more than that amount of time. And I, I bet that's not the case with animation because they can come and record their their dialogue in like an hour, right? So yeah, um, I was like, that what a nice luxury because they, they use that really well, I thought, on that show. On You know, there's, there's certain... Like characters, I would ask my daughter about. I was like, okay, like this person, surely they're going to show up before the end of the season, right? She's like, just keep watching, just keep watching. <laughs> we also, though, she got me to, we've watched a little bit of the live action movie, M. Night Shyamalan's movie. Yeah. And um, she watched it once already without me. And she's like, it's not that bad, actually. You got to <laughs> see it. I'm not sold. We're like, I'm like an hour in, Craig. And yeah. Have you seen any of it? I've only seen clip like the trailer yeah. and clips of it, and it's well, kind you, of. We both got to watch this all in its entirety, and I think it only covers the stuff in season one. So I was like, okay, yeah, we'll go ahead and watch it. Uh, but definitely, when you finish episode, yeah. all three seasons, yeah, there's just uh, some choices that I'm just like, I don't understand. They instead of calling the character Ang, call him Ong. Sometimes he's the avatar, as it is on the show. 
Right. Sometimes they say avatar. No joke. Soka, pronounced soka the entire time. I'm just like, why? Why would what? you change the pronunciation? Like, what possible reason is there to do that? Yeah. No clue. And I, I can't imagine how confusing it must have been for the actors who were probably, you know, especially right. like the, the young actors who I'm imagining did their homework and watched the show to know what the hell this thing is. Yeah. Like trying to keep that straight in your brain, I would have never been able to do it. But, like, um, but, but go ahead. I, yeah, I, I would like to know what, what was that sloppiness or actually a choice? Like the Sokka Soka thing. I mean, that had to be a choice because it's been consistent. Avatar, Avatar has not been consistent. So I'm like, okay, well, maybe it's just like the Water Tribe is saying it. I'm trying to pay attention if it's like different people, different regions pronounce it right. differently. But I haven't been able to crack that Da Vinci code yet. And then <laughs> everybody seems to be calling him Ong. And I'm like, maybe there's somebody was like, no, 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 no. That's how they, that's not how they would really pronounce that. That was just a bastardized American version. Right. Of, but I'm just like, but it, but at this point... Like really, like yeah. you know, you've but already the they're already speaking with American this. accents. <laughs> like it's not, you ain't fooling anybody. Yeah. And um, yeah, I don't know. I would, it would be hilarious to put that movie in front of somebody who hasn't seen the show and just say good luck because I, it would rattle your brain. I think if you tried to figure out what in the world is going on. Well, yeah, I was gonna difficult. say from the trailer, it seems like they covered. Like, like at least two seasons of the show. Maybe they cover all three seasons. Like, I don't know. Like, um, Ingrid seemed to imply that they only cover the first season, and I'm an hour in, and that seems to be bearing fruit. But it's still, it just feels that's a like lot of story. It is flying by, and it's just like uh, they're just there's so much that's left in the wayside that I think it's like that made the show good. Yeah, and I, I do think, man, like. I know Netflix is trying to reboot this, I think, as a live action thing. But I think as a show, I still, yeah. it's going to be hard. Like, it is yes. just, you you sort of see like, oh, yeah, like watching people bend the elements when you're when it's CGI mm-hmm. and real people acting, you know, <laughs> doing these like hand motions. Well, I it, mean, it's and that's really what it's... is watching an animated version of that, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's also going to be a kind of thing where... And I don't know if it's always this hard for for something that's live action that's made out of something that was originally animated, but but really casting. Because oh I God. look at that live action movie, and no offense to the actors in there, but I'm like, none of them strike me like the kids who were in that in the animated series. I'm just like, oh man, none of these folks seem right to me. Uh, the kid playing Ang Ong. Mm-hmm. He's doing his best, and they get the look mostly right. But he's uh, he, he's a little bit older because he probably had to be. Right. So the voice sounds totally different. But, yeah, it's going to be hard. And, I, well, you'll see it when you see it. But I, there's, so far, I've noticed no humor in it. And, yeah, uh, yeah it's just it's some questionable choices. Asif Mandivi is one of the main characters. Really? He, yeah, he plays I one love of the high-level Fire Lord generals, um, Fire Nation generals. I can't remember who. And he's actually really quite I, – I, I think he's doing great. And I'm like, man, what a bummer because, like, he doesn't get a ton of movie roles, you know? No. And, like, that was – this is definitely the biggest role I've seen him in 
uh, on film, and it was just this huge colossal failure. So, but even so, he's not he's not like playing for comedy. No, uh-uh. Interesting. Yep, very. <laughs> I do have this though. Trivia, Craig. Can you name a movie that shares the title of the third album released by Twisted Sister? Went multi-platinum, sold 3 million copies in 1984. Their biggest album, for sure. Well, that would have to be the album Stay Hungry. Oh, my God, you're so right. Yes, Thank of course. You. And that didn't occur to me until today, even though we've already <laughs> done a T-Up episode and everything. I was like, oh, yeah, that's what the album was called, wasn't it? Okay, Stay Hungry, 1976, Bob Rafelson. If you've seen a recent poster that's floating around... Uh, you'll notice that Schwarzenegger <laughs> is very much in the foreground, even mm-hmm. though we'll, we'll, we'll talk about his involvement in this and sort of whether that's fair or not. But you got the man, the myth, the legend, Jeff Bridges, the woman, the myth, the legend, Sally Field, R.G. Armstrong, who was not an actor I was terribly familiar with, but I am now intimately, Robert England, yes, of course, Helena Kalianote, Neotes. Nice. Which that? Roger E. Mosley. Who else we got? Yes. Woodrow Parfrey as Uncle Albert. Scatman Carruthers, of course. Kathleen Miller rounds out your cast, along with a few others that we'll talk about, including small appearance by Ed Beagley Jr. Mm-hmm. This was made by United Artists, you know. And uh, you may recall Charlie Chaplin helped found that studio. So Indeed. 1976, 75, let's just say I'm a very old Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> and you're Bob Rafelson. You walk in the studio, Craig. You want to make a movie. Yep. You got a movie you want to make. Give me, uh, give me a couple reasons why I should say yes to stay hungry. Well, I kind of wonder, I kind of wonder, should I pitch this the way I think Bob Rafelson would pitch it? <laughs> Yes, you should, which could be very interesting. Are you carrying a gun? <laughs> yeah, so I come in. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I just slam a six-shooter down on the desk between us. <laughs> okay, here's a check. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, look, want? Charlie, I want to make this movie. And if you don't want to make this movie, all I got to say is one of us ain't leaving this office alive. Hmm. See, I can't respond because I'm chaplain. This is silent. So. That's true. Oh, right, yeah. right, right, right. Just keep going, yeah. I'm going to take it by the fact that you kind of wrinkled your nose. You don't like that idea. Okay, well, I'll give you a few more examples, a few more uh, ideas of what this thing's going to be about. What I'm thinking is it's going to be kind of, uh, I don't know, right? And then there's this rich kid. It's based on this book called Stay Hungry, but hmm. let's, let's put that, let's put that uh, aside for a second. It's going to be this guy, you know, and he's rich and his parents, maybe they died. I don't know. And then... Maybe he goes to this gym and he likes it and he's like, I don't know. You're right. And then uh, there's be like a strong guy. He wants to be a you know, famous uh, strong guy. He wants to win something, whatever. And there's a lady who works there. Maybe she likes the guy who, uh, whose parents died. You know, and then we'll just kind of mix it up. What do you say? Uh, is there, uh, there's oh, yeah, more you can't th- say anything. Okay, yeah. But, um, uh, uh, okay. Is the fact that you're tapping your cane to your temple mean... Uh, 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 that you're wondering whether or not at the end of the movie uh, I could put a bunch of gigantic bodybuilders running through the streets. 
I mean, I, I'd love to do that. That's actually, honestly, one of the first ideas I had for the movie. All right. So you're nodding your head vigorously. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take that as a green light. I'm going to take this gun back. Sorry about that whole thing. It's just a part of my image. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go make this movie then, I guess, and I'll uh, come back and show it to you. Okay, great. It's been nice talking to you, Charlie. And that's it. That's the whole thing. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, yeah. Very well done. Thanks. You know, you're probably not too far off, <laughs> you know? I yeah. don't know. I, I was thinking about it too. Like, I, I wonder just, you know, he just made five easy pieces, King of Marvin Gardens, head before this monkeys movie, which I don't know if anybody saw that movie, but they certainly saw the monkeys. Right. He produced Easy Rider, the last picture show. Yeah, I, I imagine, I don't know, it, it maybe was not that difficult to get this thing made. <clears throat> I do yeah, wonder I if um, there was ever a conversation, is, is Nicholson going to be in it? You know? Right. <laughs> but I but I also think, you know, Bridges was no baby face newcomer completely at the time of this. He'd already done picture True. show and everything. So yeah, it, that it's kind of interesting to think about all that and sort of how quickly this probably would have come together and how much heat these dudes and dudettes had. Mm-hmm. But uh yeah, so stay hungry, aside from that beautiful description. We'll do I'm gonna do well, let's see. Yeah, let's do two synopses because here's what IMDb has. So-called special agent, that's in quotation marks, infiltrates into the gym, which is targeted by a dirty business fraud. That's, wow. That's no. it. That's what they've got on their main page for this film. Yeah. That does not work for me. Infiltrates into the gym. Mm-hmm. What are you, how, you're supposed to know what that means? No. Which gym they're talking about? It's ridiculous. Okay, <laughs> let's gym. look at letterbox.com and see if they can do better. A dishonest businessman asks rich layabout Craig Blake to help him buy a gym, which will be demolished for a development project in Alabama. Already is better. But after spending time with weightlifter Joe Santo and gym worker Mary Tate Farnsworth, Craig wants out of the deal. The property negotiations turn ugly causing a brawl at the gym and a spectacle at a big bodybuilding meet as Craig learns that it's not easy to turn your back on fairweather friends. Now, my first question, obviously, is did you get confused watching this because Bridges is, mm. uh, Jeff Bridges' character is named Craig? Uh, 100%. Every time I heard someone say that, I was mm-hmm. looking around. <laughs> totally took me out of the movie. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that fortunately, was, uh, yeah, awesome. I mean, um, Sally Field calls him the nickname Swamp, which I loved. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, not not a not a complimentary sort of nickname at all. I don't really want to think about where she got that from, but yeah, it's endearing coming out of her mouth, though. It is. Most things are. Um, yeah. So, I think you know both of us were kind of aware of this film in the Arnold Schwarzenegger of it all. I was not aware that it was directed by Bob Rafelson until recently. And really knew nothing of the plot until we did our tee up. So you're coming in a little cold. I'm coming in a little cold. What'd you think of Stay Hungry? Did it warm you up? Well, that's a good question. I I enjoyed watching it, but I cannot say that I understood <laughs> what was happening plenty, mo- mo- not, not most of the time, but... There's a lot of the time where I did not understand the relationships I was watching. Uh, 
really the whole thing about Craig being asked to uh, buy a gym by unscrupulous businessmen, like that whole thing, I don't think I ever fully <laughs> understood what that what was going on there. Until I read um, the synopsis from Letterboxd. <laughs> yeah, like you read that and I was like, oh, really? Like, yeah, that I, makes sense when you read it that way, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like to me, it just seemed like he was one of those guys and I knew they, they wanted him to buy the gym, but I'm not sure I got all the, like, oh, he's unscrupulous going in there and then his heart is turned. Like, I don't, I don't feel like that. I don't feel like that's really in the movie. Like, he changes his mind, sure, but I don't know that it's like he's necessarily got a new lease on life. I don't know. Um, definitely enjoyed it. A lot of good energy. More than anything, a lot of stuff you just will not see in another movie. Mm -hmm. uh, which just kept you going through the whole thing. Everyone really seems to be giving it 110%, except possibly the gentleman who was doing the opening VO, which I think was <laughs> Uncle Albert. That is Uncle Albert, yes. Who, that seemed a little phoned in, but I'm not sure maybe he's, uh, I, I don't want to make any guesses. Anyway, I uh, didn't even want to put him down. I'm, I apologize. But that was my experience watching it. What about you? You know what? We can put him down because that voiceover that really had me worried from the outset because I was like, yeah. oh boy, these Southern accents are going full on, you know, Colonel Sanders Beauregard um, yeah. in this letter that he's written to his nephew, Jeff Bridges. I mean, it literally sounds like a Civil War, like Dearest Martha, like one of those kind of yes. things. I was like, is this a joke? Like, what is, what is this? And right. uh, I was like, oh, like, does Bob Rafelson just... Did he just get the South completely wrong here? And I, I was quickly relieved of those concerns, I think. And I'd say, like, I really ended up enjoying this film. And I think what helped me immensely was having seen Thunderbolt and Lightfoot probably two mm -hmm. or three times within the past year, which yeah. is Michael Cimino's first feature that he directed and... It's sort of similarly loose in plot, and that's Clint Eastwood and Jeff Bridges. And I don't know, like, there's just something about, like, Jeff Bridges as, like, <laughs> I mean, there's, you know, there's threads to Lebowski here a little bit. Just he is absolutely kind of uh, anchored to nothing, really, and sort mm -hmm. of uh, a layabout, you might say, and just kind of hanging out with some interesting characters. And yeah. That's the case in Thunderbolt and Lightfoot, and that's certainly of the same era as this, even though it's it's a very, very different world. That's Montana, and this is, you know, deep Alabama here. But um, I don't know. I just really got into it. I loved sort of the, like, the difference of, like, upper-class Birmingham and then, like, these people who work at the at the gym, like, you know, they're somehow, like, the ruffians of this town. Right. And, you know, Bridges like laying around his house, but still wearing slacks and like an Izod. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, collared shirt and those um, damn slip-on loafers or whatever. I was just like, I don't know. I feel like I wouldn't have to look too hard to still find traces of that world completely alive um, in, in, the, in the region down here. And so, I don't know, just having grown up with all that stuff and seen it around and you know, these these sort of, like, people that have money but are still kind of good old boys, you know? Mm -hmm. um, 
I just have always found that kind of funny. And so, yeah, plot wise, y- yeah, I got questions. And sort of, I think the reviews we read all kind of indicated <laughs> that, that 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 was maybe what we're in store for. And I think that I think that pans out that plot yeah. was not the most interesting element at play here to Bob Rafelson by any means. No. So I want to start with the biggest question I have. Mm -hmm. As our synopsis kind of told us, Bridges, I'm still not sure if he officially works for this real estate development firm or if he's just... Like a... uh, uh, What do you call that? Um free agents or work for hire. Yeah. I don't know what he's doing. I don't, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I think maybe he does work for them. Anyway, he's charged with buying this gym, getting the guy to sale. And oh God, how do we describe this gym? It does. If you're picturing any gym that you've seen in the past 200 years, this one doesn't look anything like that. <laughs> No. It's two-story for one thing. There's, like, green carpet on the ground. Um, it sort of seems like like six months before that could have just been somebody's, like, townhouse. Could have been. And then they just gutted it and put a bunch of, uh, uh, yeah, equipment in there. Yeah. Or, like, a carpeted hair salon with an sure. attic or something. <laughs> I don't know. Sure. At any rate. When he goes down there, he meets some of the folks that uh, work there, and Sally Field, Mary Tate Farnsworth, is one of them, and Joe Santo, whom we meet first, I believe, as he's donning a Batman costume of sorts and lifting weights. Um, I think we, we find out later that he just likes to dress up to make the working out more fun and interesting. Mm -hmm. Although we, I don't think we ever see him do anything but the Batman costume. I kind of wish that he had every time just worn a different costume. It might have been kind of funny. Is that true? He didn't read that it? I could have sworn he had a different costume on at some other point. Did he? But maybe you're right. I don't know. Or was that maybe that was just his body? Sorry. Uh, his body is, it does look a completely fake. And he does wear the sort of Western Buffalo Bill he gets picked on shirt oh to God. that party yes. with the yes. uh, kerchief. But anyway, okay, so here is my question. Because in the office, there is a framed picture of Sally Field and Schwarzenegger as mm-hmm. if there's, they are a couple, yeah. a romantic couple. And there mm-hmm. are times where I certainly thought they were. Mm-hmm. But she spends most of the movie with Bridges. He certainly yes. falls in love with her. Yes. They certainly get it on. Yes, um, they do. Not on screen, but. Um, not entirely. Do do you have a reading on the Schwarzenegger Sally Field relationship? Am I just being square here? No, I couldn't tell at all. Okay, uh, there were times where he would say, "Hey, why don't you go off with Craig now?" Yeah, and she would seem shocked by that suggestion. The way that I would assume your girlfriend might feel if you told your girlfriend to go off with some other guy. Mm-hmm. But then she just does. And ends up sleeping with him. And then, you know, them falling into like a romantic thing. I have no clue. <laughs> I mean, she's I have no clue. more or less lives with him. I mean, she basically stays yeah. with him. She pack, She has a bag and everything. 
But yeah, then like there's there never one... seems to be a reckoning of that. Yeah. And then there's that one point where she goes and then she sees Schwarzenegger and she like jumps in his arms like, oh, I'm so happy to see you. I haven't seen you in so long. And like kissing him on the face and mouth and everything. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, to me, that's still kind of the biggest question I guess I had from a character standpoint beyond like what the hell Jeff Bridges' work situation is. There is a moment later on when Schwarzenegger is, is sort of asked about uh, another woman that he had spent some time with. And this is where the title comes from. He says something to the effect of like, I don't stay with any one thing to keep it interesting or, or something like that. And right. it's like, I like to stay hungry. I would rather stay hungry. Don't want to get too yeah. comfortable. It's like, okay, so that's where the title comes from. And um, I will say, like, despite all of that confusion, I, I felt like I got Schwarzenegger's character, and I thought he was pretty good in this. Honestly. Like, like, what do you, let's talk about him first, since this is sort of, this is literally the movie that says, and introducing Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? Right. What did you uh, make of yeah. him? Most of the time, he fit pretty perfectly. Yeah. Um, trying to think of like when. Um, ah, man. Let me ask you this. I can't remember. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Did you notice that he had like a mole or birthmark or something on the right side of his face? On his jaw, yeah. Which I looked at like a picture from Terminator. I don't think it's there. And I wonder, like, did he get it removed or did they just cover that up in makeup? Or am I crazy uh, or what? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Because I, I don't remember seeing that on him in any other no, thing. No, uh-uh. it's pretty noticeable. Uh, but yeah, he, he, most of the time he kind of is playing a character who isn't really going through any hot emotions. Yeah. Um, and... And it can be hard to tell when he is. I think there is at least one scene where he is angry, mm-hmm. and it's it's kind of it's a little flat, you know. Uh, I, I think it's when you know Jeff Bridges is is talking to him, yeah, and Jeff Bridges is is giving him a lot. I mean, Je- look, Jeff Bridges is a kook actor wise. Yeah, he is, that guy will sure. make some choices. <laughs> yep, some very bold choices. I'm sure we'll talk about that coming soon but uh yeah he's given he's given arnold a lot of energy in this one scene and it just felt like arnold was giving him not a lot back there's one bit where it's like oh that's about right but something something about it just was a little off to me i don't know yeah what what did you think about that well i i don't know i i thought in some ways, it, it was just so different than I guess I expected the role to be. Like, I, I kind of thought, okay, here's this guy. It's his first maybe, like, big part in the speaking film that's got, yeah. like, major backing behind it. They're going to use him for effect, and, like, he's going to be the big bodybuilder, and it'll just all be about, like, him sort of flexing ego, I guess, as much mm-hmm. as his muscles. And, like, he's, like, the coolest, nicest dude in this movie, you know? Yeah. He is so, like, almost laid back. And even the stuff with, like, Sally Field and the way he, like, is with women, it, like, it didn't ring misogynistic to me in a way. It just sort of, like, no, this is just kind of who he is. Like, he, right. um, 
you know, he just lives his life this way and plays the violin and he's good. Like he was good at curling, I guess that's what they said. And, um, I don't know. It's such a bizarre choice to even put him in this. Like, why would there be an Austrian training at a gym in Birmingham? Like, none of it kind of makes right. sense, right? Um, they do explain it in the film just for the benefit of the plot, I think, is that the guy that owns the gym, Thor, played by R.G. Armstrong, um, found him in Austria or something and paid for his way over and got him a work visa, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But even that seems like a straight, like how, what you're telling me that guy Thor was over in Austria. <laughs> yeah. Dude doesn't look like he can keep his shoes tied, you know? <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. It was just, it was more subdued in a way that, that worked for me. You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, he, he doesn't match Bridges maybe at a time that he should. And I don't know that he, he would have been able to, mm-hmm. um, but it's definitely, I can't think of another performance that's as maybe like low key and cool as it is yeah. in this one from him, which was, I yeah. guess it just surprised me as much as anything. Uh, yeah, I would say so. Like I, I expected it to just grind everything to a halt, but really most of the time he's very natural yeah. with what he's doing. So, I mean, it, it works. And I mean, it. I'm sure it does help to kind of put him in that environment that he knows really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's, it's kind of easy to, to get him going, but he is clearly not, he does not seem to have any sort of, you know, stage fright or camera fright or any of that stuff. Like he is, uh, he does come off pretty natural. Yeah. And he is just like, and he commands your attention, I guess, in a weird way, almost just because of his physicality, if nothing else, but then that accent and like it made, I don't know, it made sense to me, like watching this, like. Like, no wonder they were, like, gunning for this guy to be a star. Just, like, he just had it, you know. Um, absolutely. He just absolutely had it. Um, so it's it's really just kind of fascinating, I guess. I also really liked um, old Freddy Krueger there, Robert England. I, I yeah, mean, he was swinging for the fences, too. Yeah, and, like, I don't know that I've seen him in, a, in like, a pre-Freddy role before yeah. that I can think of. Did you ever watch the miniseries V? I did. Was he in that? He was. Okay. He played Willie. The alien. he was like the good alien. Oh God, I, don't, I wouldn't remember, but yeah, no. I definitely watched that. But um, yeah, he's kind of funny in this, and um, yeah. he's sort of like the hanger on, I guess, of the of the gym. Yeah, in a weird way. This is a weird ragtag group of yahoos. But uh, well, let's well, dig no, into bridges then a, a little bit, and then we'll talk Sally Field. Well. He, he, he's not just a hanger-on. He is Joe's grease Oh, man. I'm sorry. Yes, I don't mean to denigrate that role. Yes, he oils right. oils up Joe Santo. Somebody's got to grease up Joe's body. Did they ever explain the Joe Santo name? No. Because no. there's no and way I looked it up. I was like, I don't know, is that like in kind of a common Austrian name by any chance? No. <laughs> Shocking. No. So there we go. Yeah. It's fine. And again, just the irony that the owner of the gym is named Thor, but they chose Joe Santo for short. <laughs> Joe Santo. Yeah. Uh, Maybe it's all in the book. He does look very Joe Santo. No. Um, okay, Bridges. It was interesting to me to sort of watch this and be thinking about, I had just revisited this scene from The Graduate, right, where Dustin Hoffman is laying in the pool and his father is like, are you going to get out? Do you have plans? 
you know, at some point, I think you'd want to do something. You know, it's good to take a little bit of time, blah, 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 blah. And, I mean, that movie is such a master class in how to sort of, like, set up and pay up, pay off that, I guess, you know? Because, like, from the minute Hoffman walks on screen, like, you get it. Like, you get that that's, like, where his mental state is. Here, I, I don't know. Like, Bridges, it's definitely harder to read. I don't yeah. know what's going... His parents have died, right? We learn that yes. in that opening letter. And I think that is the sole justification for everything that he's kind of doing in this film, which feels like he's, like, just turning his back on a path, I guess, mm -hmm. towards success, uh, a commitment to anything, um, to a life of any kind, really. I think you're right. But, man, like, we, I mean, you know, we don't know anything about the parents. There's no, like, discussion about, like... You don't know anything about Bridges beyond, I guess, that, right? Yeah. I mean, that's that was kind of my thing. I think there's there's one scene I can think of where he is emotionally upset, and I assume it's because of his parents, but it's pretty far into the movie. And, yeah, I don't feel like there was much of a connection to that otherwise. I mean, the movie starts off with him riding a horse through the woods by himself of course and yeah. uh, the vo of his uncle talking to him and uh or yeah it was a letter to him wasn't it yeah yeah and so and and that kind of lays out what has happened before the you know the the movie gets underway really but but yeah you know for a lot of the time it yeah it doesn't really feel like oh man he's in a tailspin or anything like that it's just like he just seems to be hanging out Right. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I, di I didn't sense a lot of despair or him being like unmoored because of what happened with his parents. It's also just tough. Like if you don't meet the parents, if you don't have right. anybody ever talk about the parents, like, like how are you supposed to know that that means anything? And it is interesting too, like thinking about Rafelson and that amazing scene in Five Easy Pieces where Nicholson just talks to his father who's in a wheelchair, never says a word, and just, like, lays it out to him and breaks down. And, like, it's such a powerful, powerful scene. Yeah. Um, because, like, half of that movie, you're just like, what the hell is Nicholson's deal? And then he goes yeah. home, and you're like, oh, okay. This yep. is, like, what he ran away from, and this is, like, the life that he was supposed to have and all that stuff. And here it's sort of like, all that stuff has already happened. You're just seeing like the after effects of everybody else gone. Like there's yeah. a moment where, and Scatman Crothers like exists in this movie to basically be um, the servant that was, right? So uh, Bridges is, is more or less camped out in what was his grandmother's house, right. which I think is now, and I don't know, maybe they said explicitly that the parents lived there and then now it's just fallen to possession to Jeff Bridges' character. Mm -hmm. But he's taken up occupancy and Scatman has been there 50-some years, I think they said. Right, yeah. But towards the end, there's like a huge, you know, Scatman gets really mad at him and quits and is just like, you know, um, there was a great line about your grandmother up there on that painting, like she would jump out of this painting if she could see you now and murder you with a butcher knife and I would help her. 
<laughs> I was like, yeah. Jesus. Okay. So it's like, because of the people you're hanging out with, you know, or something like that. And I'm just like, but I, I don't, I mean, Sally Field doesn't seem that bad, right? Like she's not doing yeah. drugs or killing people. Like there's not like a real air of riffraff to them, I guess. Um, well, and you don't really know Scatman Carruthers either. No, not at all. And that was the thing too I was going to come back to. It was like then that sort of like resolution of his whole storyline is Jeff Bridges has a letter to his uncle at the very end and we get the voiceover. And um, he has something about how um, he got Scatman's approval after, you know, the sort of plot plays out and we can talk about that in a second. And that that approval meant more to him than almost anyone else in the family. It's like, really? Like, it did? You sure <laughs> yeah. didn't? You could have fooled me. Like, yeah. also, it's like, I don't know anybody else in the family other than the uncle. And, like, I barely yeah, know him. that's right. So, like, all that stuff, to me, total novel. Like, that's the stuff that's in the novel that still made it in the screenplay. And then I think the yeah. rest is the Rayfuls. And it's just like, okay, now let's just take this and then go into a completely different... Uh, thing like I don't know I'd be Agreed. very curious to to flip through that novel and see how much is actually on the screen and my guess is it's not a ton yeah okay let's move to Sally Field mm-hmm. A had you ever seen her butt before no I can honestly say not not a single episode of Gidget <laughs> has Sally Field's naked yeah. behind now, in did it she, anyway. she, she didn't show it in, as Forrest Gump's mom did she uh, not as Forrest Gump's mom, yeah. not even in Smoking the Bandit, or Norma Ray. Yeah, she wasn't water skiing in Norma Ray. I'm trying to remember. <laughs> no, there was they, they they cut a lot of water skiing yeah. out of that one. I I I gotta say, like if if there's an acting award for this movie, to me it's her. Like it felt like she was just locked into this, and she was the one that was getting. Yes. Well, our R. G. Armstrong definitely. Uh, he he was, he was not phoning in. it in, but his character no. was just such a loose cannon. I don't, we'll talk about him too. But, um, I will say that she possibly she is the person I most believe lives in Birmingham, Alabama. Yeah, isn't that weird too? Um, yeah. yeah, I hadn't even thought about that, but you're right. And it's not like I don't know. Like she did a really good job, I thought, of portraying that thing. That it is so simple of just feeling like you're not in your crowd, right? And being made mm-hmm. to feel, there's that one scene where Bridges takes them to this socialite party. She, he takes her and invites Joe Santo and then is sort of just making a spectacle of like, look at these people, like they're the real people, you know? But getting drunk and just completely humiliating her specifically. Yeah. And like they, I don't know, like her dress is definitely not appropriate, but it wasn't yeah. like too crazy, right? But you, I don't know. You're right. Well, like, I mean, look, feels... yeah, everyone's in Izod, sweaty Izod shirts and slip-on loafers all the time. Like, <laughs> what's wrong with her dress? I know. But he was wearing a tux for that party, though. F- uh, fair like enough. Like all the other yeah. a-holes. But um, no, you're right. And like, I just, man, she is gorgeous in this movie. And mm-hmm. yeah, she's tan. And uh, <laughs> she's just, um, I don't know. Like, she's got that sort of 70s thing again of like, I don't know what that relationship is with with Schwarzenegger. I don't know what she feels specifically for him, if anything. Yeah. But she's definitely her own woman, right? Like, there's no denying yeah. that. And um, I mean, it's not it's not Karen Black in Five Easy Pieces, but it's a no. pretty damn memorable 
performance, I thought. It is. It is. And there's even, I'll say this, that first love scene with her and Craig mm-hmm. starts out on the stairs. Oh, great. Yeah. That was great. That was really well done, I thought. Yeah. So well done. It sort of made me forget about all the questions I had about the relationships <laughs> in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, oh, they're into each other. Mm-hmm. Like, that's all I needed to see. Yeah. Like, that was uh, really well done. Except, you know, at the end of that moment, I really liked that. I really liked that. Like, that was a scene where I was just like, I was totally buying it. And I, I understand these two people right now. And then right at the end of that scene, Sean, is it just me? Like, Jeff, who making bold choices, as always, just puts his hand right down the back of her, her underwear. Yeah, right at the crack, just yeah. Just deep. Just deep down in that back of the underwear. Like, man, that's a bold move in real life and in the movie, I think. Yeah. For your first kiss. I would hope that they worked that out either beforehand or she was okay with it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. If it was something that Ray Wilson was like, Jeff, come here. Like in between takes, this time, just put your hand down there. That also wouldn't surprise me to learn, but... um, No, that would be disturbing. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I don't, you know, I didn't look to see if, uh, and I don't remember if we talked about this in the tee up, if they, if Sally Field and Jeff Bridges have ever worked again since then. But um, yeah, hopefully they they haven't hated each other after this for. Yeah, I hope not. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was a bold move. It was a bold move. Um, bold. But no, I thought she was really good in that scene. Actually, like she's sort of initiating the movement on the steps and stuff. It was great. Um, yeah. I totally just blanked on what I was going to say. But no, I I really enjoyed the performance there. Even I think she gets a couple laughs. There was one thing that I watched twice or maybe three times when it's very early on after Jeff Bridges has met these people at the gym and they go out on the town one night and they pick up this um, friend of Jeff Bridges named Dorothy played Mm -hmm. by Kathleen Miller. Mm-hmm. And she gets in the back of the convertible and Sally Field turns around and says something about the morning and she's just like talking, talking, talking as she opens a beer and it completely just sprays right in Dorothy's face. And like she yeah. doesn't me- miss the beat. She goes, gosh, that was a live one, wasn't it? And like that just made me really <laughs> like she just nailed that sort of delivery yes. of it. It really made me laugh. Um, okay. So, whoo, man. Um, Thor. I think he's the other sort of big character we should talk about now. He is a toupee wearing gentleman who's he's a mm-hmm. big dude himself. He's pretty tall. Um, yes. If you know, it was revealed that R.G. Armstrong was big into fitness at some point in his younger life. That wouldn't come as a surprise to me. But um, right. in this uh, film, he's probably in his sixties. I would guess. Yeah. At least the character kind of feels like he's supposed to be in his sixties. And I don't know about you, but for the majority of the film, I'm just like, okay, yeah, he's the kooky boss and kind of harmless. He wants to win with Joe Santo, the Mr. Universe challenge that they're having, and he'll get money and endorsements from that, and it'll be good for the gym. And, you know, he's running somewhat of a tight ship, even though he's got his oddball employees. And then... (laughs) Then there's a scene where I don't even remember. How did this scene get initiated that there were some women sent? Was that from the like evil business guys? 
Yeah, to 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 win over uh, the owner of the place or something like that. Like they were trying to make it sound like they were gonna turn it into a massage parlor or something. Yeah, it's like it's like they're gonna make it like expand the place, but he's gonna still be in charge, which I think is just yeah, completely a lie. Like they just want him to sell them the place and then they'll own the place and that'll be it. Um, but let me ask this, was that before or after he was spying on Mary Tate? This was after. Yeah. He, he had, that right. had already been revealed that he's a bit of a peeping Tom. So that's the thing. Yeah. At first you kind of think, Oh, he'll be the lovable, funny boss. Who's just trying to very awkwardly like keep his youth about him or something. And then, yeah, and then, then there's one bit where he's just staring through a hole in his floor at Mary Tate in the locker room, like, getting dressed. And it's like, oh, he's that kind of guy. Yeah, and so then there's this crazy <laughs> prostitute scene. Oh, my God. I mean, oh, my God. Like, yeah, so these two women are there, and he is just, like, instantly lecherous and, like, we're going to have a good time. We're going to have a good time. I'm like, okay, like, I, you know, I, I can see where this is going. Like, it'll just be one little quick thing and then done with or what and like he'll he'll end up tied up or in some sort of like embarrassing situation right right no this scene goes on for quite some time um <laughs> there's a shot that i will have difficulty scrubbing from my mind craig and i think you maybe know which one i'm talking about i know exactly the one you're talking uh, well i don't i don't actually know okay. exactly what you're talking he, about rg but. armstrong is buck naked on an exercise machine uh laying on his back with the massage parlor woman um, on her back on top of him. And I don't, like, the machine is rotating in this weird direction. And she's... This is like an old-timey exercise machine, yeah. yeah she's talking the whole time, and <laughs> it's just... is uh, It is a sight to behold, I guess. Um, I'm going to say that was not what I thought you were going to point really? out. Really? Okay. The, the sh- well, Although you... that is good. And, and most of the shots in the scene yeah. are are real standouts. Okay, you tell me yours but, then. Yeah, so the one, I, I think it's the very last shot. You've got RG sitting in a chair and uh, one of the one of the ladies is completely naked, hanging from her feet from the back. Mm-hmm. And like RG has a pole of some kind, like pokes her butt with it and kind of pushes her so she starts swinging. That, that, that's and like, true. that's the shot. Like there's no conversation <laughs> There's no, like, what are we trying to achieve here? That's just the shot. You come in on the shot with her hanging there and RG sitting in a chair, and then he pokes her ass so that she swings, and then you're out. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's kind of done in montage stuff. Well, maybe more parallel action cross-cutting because you're cutting back and forth between that whole scenario and this guy, uh, Newton, played by Roger Mosley, who I'm, uh, maybe he's like the physical trainer masseuse sort of of the gym. Sure. Like he, we've seen him like, you know, giving dudes the rub down. Well, I do have a question about that. Um, yeah, me too. Yeah, it, Same question, yeah, in, I'm sure. Um, in a previous scene, and they've got one little room where they've got a table laid out for that. And so like Thor sends in the other woman into him and he's like, get her all worked up for me. I'm going to come in here like blah, 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 blah. Like, this is really gross. And so to, to Newton's credit, he is much more interested in just giving this woman a, a massage and looking at her skin and turning on the sun lamp so that she gets um, uh, a suntan. Right. <laughs> and man, 
I don't know. It's like, is the implication maybe that he is uh, homosexual or asexual? Or, I mean, he's definitely not interested in her and, and on that plane, I don't think. Right. Well, and that's the strange thing. I mean, I, I was thinking the exact same thing. I could think, you know, if, if I was in the same situation, oh God. There, there's another option that is just like, I don't just want to have sex with you. I don't know you at yeah, all. Yeah, this is really weird. This is not, yeah, I... My weird, toupee, sweaty boss is yelling at me to have sex with you, and I'm not yep. into it. So here's what we're going to do. But I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell exactly how they were trying to play it. And honestly, I don't see what it would add to the movie, Nothing. no matter which way they played Nothing. it. Nothing, yes. And then uh, that all yeah. ends when Thor comes busting in there, and like Newton's quickly like, you know, taking his pants or like acting like he's pulling up his pants and like, oh, yeah, that was that was some good sex we just had or something like that. Yeah. It's just so bizarre, so bizarre. It was really bizarre, and yet, and and it really just stops the movie. Like the sequence goes on, and I really don't know how long. Maybe maybe it was only like two minutes or so. But it felt longer than that. It definitely felt longer yeah. than two minutes to me. Uh, yeah, but I I don't know exactly what it what it gave the movie outside of obviously it got my attention. Yeah, and I'm not sure, but around this time is when our big buildup to the contest, the bodybuilding contest, is about to go down. And mm -hmm. kind of the end result of that whole sequence is that... I can't remember if he's not in his right mind or if he fell asleep or what the case is, but Thor, he wakes up like the next day or at some point... He opens up his drawer in his desk and pulls out these capsules that appear to be like smelling salts, but I don't think they're, right. no. I think they're doing a lot more to his brain than just giving him a little like boost of oxygen, if you will. And um, he's not at the bodybuilding show, so Santo is there without him. Santo's there with uh, Robert England, and, and Bridges is there looking for Mary Tate because... This is after the party at the Sociolites, and their relationship has hit ahead. Um, she's walked out on him, packed her stuff, and left following that party. And so he's looking for her, and he expects that maybe she'll be at the bodybuilding contest. Um, right. That contest is attended by ravenous super fans in the audience. I mean, they are going crazy, including the lady that looks like she's about 98. In, I don't know if you noticed that oh, yeah. one extra. <laughs> uh, yeah. it's just just great, just great. Every pose that these guys make, just rupturous, rapturous applause. Mm -hmm. But what happens is that Sally Field goes to the gym and meets Mr. Thor in his not right state of mind. And it gets a little dark, Craig. It does. I mean, it was not a fair, very serious movie at all, even with the shady businessmen who you thought would probably be the scary ones. Even with that crazy sex montage sequence, like it still was not as dark as what happened right. next. I mean, yeah. And some of it's left somewhat in the air, but yeah, you've got RG... Uh, old Thor grabs Mary Tate, drags her in, like covers her mouth, snaps one of those capsules in front of her, makes her sniff it. And I mean, he is just completely out of his mind. 
Mm -hmm. and she's crying and clearly terrified. And yeah, that movie just goes dark in the span of like 10 seconds. Yeah, he grabs her. And I am completely remembering now that we left out. um, There was a fight, right? Oh, no, that happens after. Okay, yeah, I got my time right. Okay, so um, yeah, he grabs Sally Field and it's like, oh, he's not just going in for a hug. Like yeah. it, it, and she plays it as if she's really, really scared, and with with mm-hmm. good reason because it gets there pretty quickly. And then he's trying to like force those like capsules up her nose and stuff. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we find out from the police a little bit later that uh, attempted rape was on the table. But so the contest is happening, and Bridges goes looking for her at the gym. And finds her coming down the stairs looking like shell shocked, like really, like something bad has happened. And then I did, I, I thought that fight sequence between Thor and Jeff Bridges was, was pretty amazing. Like it was like that's a good place yeah. for a fight, was in this gym. And like he's throwing like free weights at Jeff Bridges and yeah. just out of his mind. And I was not expecting that actor to be able to move like that. And uh, they no. have a pretty good fight that ends with them falling out the front window of the whole damn building, which uh, I thought was also nice. Um, But then that's your cue to sort of end up leading that information gets back to the bodybuilding contest. And so Schwarzenegger comes to save the day and all these bodybuilders just end up in the streets of Alabama, of Birmingham with all these other extras asking, who the hell are you guys? And they're like, we're bodybuilders. And then they're like, hey, these guys want us to pose. And so... (laughs) All the bodybuilders just, just start, start posing, posing in the middle of the streets yeah. in this bustling Birmingham. Um, it's just ridiculous. But I feel like um, maybe that's the only ending set piece that would have possibly made any kind of sense. Um, I don't know. I mean, it definitely perked me up. Yeah. I, yeah like after the fight, I was like, well, how is this going to end? <laughs> like, it seems like no one really cares about the 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 you know the strongman contest over here the mm-hmm. bodybuilding contest so yeah how is it going to work its way in and i mean yeah a bunch of super muscular dudes just running through the streets i'm like that is it feels very uh it feels so like 70s yeah movie like like that is just you you really went for it and so yeah so we went from this really really dark scene like when jeff bridges gets to the gym and sees Mary Tate. Yeah. She looks like she's been through some heavy shit. Yep. And like, you really don't know exactly what may have happened to her up there. Uh, but considering the kind of guy Thor is, I mean, it's we can <laughs> it make a guess. really yeah. bad. Yeah. Like she is out of it, probably from drugs and whatever she has just been through. So it's like, and it's just feels so heavy and so dark. And then, yeah, like a minute later, you've got gigantic muscly dudes like running. And I mean, just just in their, just in their, you know, whatever, their little suits, yeah. their little tiny speedos. Half of them are barefoot. They're running. Know? Yeah. Um, and then posing, and then some of them are standing on buses, and you're like, what is happening in this movie? Um, I think you could pull that so, scene yeah. out, put some different music to it, and like intercut it into something like the Naked Gun, and it would just feel totally at home. Absolutely, like it, yeah. Absolutely. It feels Naked Gunish. It feels yeah. kind of Blues Brothers. Blues Brothers, yeah, yeah. Good call. Um, yeah, it was crazy. 
But um, it sort of helps you get the happy ending. I think that they're kind of looking for here in this movie that's, you know, skews comedic. Um, yes. So there's a deal struck between Thor and Craig where Craig will not press charges if Thor agrees to sell him the business and he agrees to keep it a gym. So he and Joe Santo are going in business together and uh, everything will be okay. He's moving out of his grandma's house and into something, I don't know, mobile home, something. Um, mm-hmm. Going out living in the woods a little bit with, uh, with Sally Field. And uh, yeah, yes. I think things are going to be okay. He can write a letter to his uncle now. And um, all is right in the world, perhaps. Perhaps. Will he hang up his Maybe. seersucker yeah. suits, Craig? We don't know. I... Certainly hope not, but it'll probably maybe he'll wear them without like a shirt or something, something crazy. Yeah, yeah, probably. You know probably what I mean? Right. Yeah. But um, I mean, that is sort of the plot at large. And really, like, again, like, I, I don't think it was the priority for uh, why Rafelson made this movie, if I had to guess. And I'm going to guess because right. that's why we're here. Um, right. So let, let's talk then just briefly about, were there other things that like, you know, beyond sort of the um, the sex scenes and some of that stuff, like how's this holding up in the 2020 world um, from a social consciousness standpoint to you? Oh, man. That too heavy of a question to ask? I mean, it... Well, no, I mean, you know, in probably two of the things that are have been at the forefront for, you know, certainly the last couple of years, uh, our, our president notwithstanding, is, you know, you got Me Too and you got Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. just to put labels on both of these things. And while I don't see sort of that freewheeling mistreatment of people, in these movies that you've seen in some other stuff, it's just, just like, oh, the, you just made all that horrible stuff like the butt of jokes. Like, Mary Tate getting taken hostage is not a joke. Yeah. On the same, on the, uh, by, by the same token, it's also never dealt with after that. Like, nope. Jeff Bridges fights Thor, and then it's fine. But I'm kind of like, I don't know. Like, what she went through up there, I don't know if that, Makes everything okay just because he beat up the guy. She might need some therapy. She might want some therapy. <laughs> Wouldn't be a bad right. idea. Yeah, she went through something. Uh, yeah. Right, and, and 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 then you've got the Scatman Crothers story, which is this guy. This is in the seventies. He's been working for this family for fifty years. I don't know. Yeah. In Alabama. Yep. He's been treated well all these years as an equal, like. And then, and then just, just take the family side in it. And at the end, you know, feeling like, oh, well, Craig is, is finally living up to his family name. You know, I, I don't know. There's a lot to unpack there I, that doesn't feel very good in the end to me. Correct. And then that was my bigger disappointment, I guess, with any of that stuff was like almost like, why is Scatman even in this movie? Is there stuff that was on the cutting yeah. floor? Like that could have been cast with anybody, honestly. Um, given the amount of screen time he has. For real. And is it just like one of these things that there's more in the novel that didn't make it on screen? 
Um, the actor Roger Mosley, he's fine as Newton, but mm-hmm. there's certainly more that could have been done there to sort of weave him into the story, I guess, a little bit more. And then, well, yeah, you know, and and there's also sort of that stuff of, and well, it's it's, I mean, 100% true to life, and I get it. But I, there's a scene of Roger Mosley like talking to all those guys. I think it's in the first scene where Schwarzenegger is like working yeah. out in the Batman costume. And I mean, Mosley is standing right in front of a rebel flag. Yes, you're right. Yeah, there's one hanging up in the gym. Yeah, where like back then it was like, oh, Duke's a hazard, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, but also th- there wasn't quite the the feeling. Yeah, it was also and, not uh, Duke's the, a the hazard clarity. back then for sure too. No, I, you know. of course not. But. But yeah, yeah. Well, which is a shame, uh, I was going to say, just because those are really the only two speaking parts for anybody um, of color. And it's nice that they've got mm-hmm. like, you know, these people in these parts, but they just weren't given a whole lot to do. And then, sure. you know, there's certainly, um, there's a black guy serving drinks at the sociolite party. Uh, there was <laughs> a black guy who's pushing like a floor polisher in the building where Jeff Bridges runs in and steals a painting, which I did think that scene was kind of funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then that's that's kind of it. But then at the end with the scene with all the bodybuilders, there's a ton of black extras. Like, And so you get the sense yeah. that like, yeah, this is not like a white town per se. Um, right. It's there. It's just, And even in the uh, bodybuilding contest scene, there's a bunch of the extras there. So it's... And you certainly buy the yeah. fact that Craig's world is going to be white. Absolutely. Like, it's going to be very wet. But that, to me, is like, then that's a missed opportunity because it's like, okay, you're calling, literally using the words black sheep at at a certain point, uh, talking about Craig. It's like, okay, if you really want to, and I was sort of waiting for that. Is there going to be a scene where they go out one night with Newton and go into the black bar, you know, the one place where they're playing the blues and like, this is like way on the other sides of town, you know? Um, Yeah. Because it never felt like he completely left his, like, social circle at all, like, to me. No, no and I don't, you know, for, for for sort of the feeling of, like, ah, like, he's found himself at the end or, you know, he's lost in the woods and he just needs to find his way. I, I don't know exactly what he found his way to. <laughs> he found his way to Sally I, Field, I, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, there's, hey, that's yeah. better than maybe a, a lot of folks will ever sure. do. But, but, I mean... Yeah, I, I don't know. I, at the beginning, I don't know what it is that makes him a lost person. He's living in a house. He's sleeping on a mattress on the floor. Does that mean he's lost? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it means he hasn't bought a he bed. He doesn't seem to be yes. on drugs or drinking too much or trying to kill himself or anything. You know, it's just like he seems like a, I don't know, 20-something dude who has too much money. Yeah. It could have used some Simon and Garfunkel for emotional weight. You know, please, really would have helped. Yes. No, I I think some of that stuff yet, it just doesn't quite translate. Um, And then just like the one last thing I want to talk about scene wise, um, and then we'll just wrap this up, uh, is a good example, I think, of being able to sort of spot the other interests of a filmmaker. And that is this pretty long hoedown scene that they have where... To me, that might be the most authentic thing of the entire film is they go out in the woods to, you know, this house kind of out off the beaten path where there's just a gathering going on and there's a bunch of people playing bluegrass music. And, I mean, you could probably count the number of teeth on some of these people on, like, one hand. Um, 
They've got jars of moonshine, and there's not, like, much dialogue about, like, what they're doing, which I thought was nice. Like, it was just sort of Santo and Craig show up. Santo, these are his friends. Like, that came across really easily to me, and they're friends because Santo's good at the violin, and Mm -hmm. Santo's just the kind of guy that would have bumped into these people and been nice to them. You know, that is who Arnold Schwarzenegger was, at least in this film. And he brought his buddy Craig along to see it. And I don't know. I just bought all that. I was like, this, yeah, this feels right. Like there's similar stuff in the movie Nashville, which is something I watched not terribly long ago, you know. And to me, it felt more real in this movie, for sure. Like that felt like they got actual people that were just like really part of that world, which is not even a world. It's just this is these people that play around for their family, you know. Um, Yeah. But again, like, maybe that's really the furthest he ever sort of steps out what seems like normal social everyday Birmingham life to me at least like I don't know like a yeah so um I don't know I did enjoy that scene I thought it worked well uh liked watching Arnold at least pretend to play the violin um yes yeah I I don't know it's it's sort of indicative of the movie as a a whole in, in some weird way I think right Craig any other thing that stood out to you or that we didn't talk about or things that you laughed at, liked, didn't like? I have three okay. things. One, Jeff Bridges dancing at that party. <laughs> he has to be seen to truly be appreciated. I'm not going to describe it. It is, it feels so clearly like Rafelson says, just go down there and, and try and dance like that, like that one guy in the overalls. Just go and just, yeah. just knock yourself out. Just Great. go crazy. Yeah. What is that called? Oh, boy. To, um, Jesus. It's like not square dancing, but it's. Um, oh, I don't even know. Okay. Yeah. There's a. The, uh, Did they mention it in the movie? The Wild Whites of West Virginia. Jessica White, or like the original guy. I don't know. I don't know what that's called. Anyway. Oh, clogging? Man. It's not clogging, is it? It's not really clogging, yeah. but it's, it's such a distinctive dance. Yeah. And I mean, Bridges is like, it. just loses himself. Yeah, loved it. I, and it, it is so beautiful. I mean, I, I do think he, he has a way with acting drunk. He really, he really gets into it. Totally, yeah. I mean, and at that uh, socialite party too, just walking down the stairs one time, I was like, oh, holy crap, like he's going to fall. Like, yeah. Yeah. I believed it. No, he's, he's a good he's, drunk. He, he definitely is a good drunk. Uh, so there's that. There is um, this, which is said by the Southern white jive talkers that uh, uh, Craig is working with. These real estate guys have some amazing sayings. Mm. And the way they talk to each other seems so weirdly hip but wrong. And that's what I was saying about too. Like they, they would be the cool people in that world, right? They would be like respected. Like yeah, like big- why... <laughs> Just funny. I assume so. Like there, that that's just another thing. I, I I could not get a handle on what these guys were about. They were obviously slimy, mm-hmm. but it's like I couldn't tell how or why. Like to what purpose are they being slimy? But one of them says about Craig that he's slicker than snot on a doorknob. Beautiful. And that just that stopped me cold. I had to had to write that one down immediately. Uh, oh, and the third thing is there are three times that I could count in the movie when it's 
seems like maybe it's about to rain. Hmm. Like there's maybe there's a storm coming. Yeah. And each time they use the exact same thunder sound effect. <laughs> uh, one is toward the beginning. Jeff Bridges is in his convertible, his, his dad's old, old, old car. Uh, and you hear this. I'm, it, it's, like, it's like thunder that you never hear in real life. Like it's not a rumble. Interesting. It's just like, you know. Things only like, an oh, editor would notice. Good job. I mean, totally, yeah. totally. I, I couldn't help it. You know, like Jeff Bridges looks up in the air and says, oh, I better put the top up. And then he drives away. And then uh, when, he's, when, when he's talking to Sally Field and Ed Bailey Jr. out at the pool, you hear the thunder again. And like there's some other time was thunder. And I was just like, guys, you can't get more than one <laughs> They paid thunder. for one and by God, they're going to use it. Yeah. And it never rains. It never like rained, it never, yeah. it's not like you have to explain that rain's coming and that's why you put the thunder in there. Like they just have the thunder sound effect. So that's hilarious. Not sure about the deeper uh, meanings of the thunder sound effect, Sean, but uh, what about you? Uh, what, what a couple lines I liked. There was one yeah. from, yeah, at the hoedown, the gentleman, one of them said, I haven't seen you in a month of Sundays, which I thought was a nice ah, way of saying of that. And yeah. then, uh, He's, I think they ask Craig where he's from. He says, Birmingham. He says, Birmingham? They don't even whistle down there anymore, which uh, <laughs> I like that. don't know what that means. And then, like, I, I can't believe I've never heard this line before. There is a moment where Ed Beagley Jr., not Ed Beagley Jr., we didn't even talk about Ed Beagley Jr., but he is a guest yeah. at the sociolite party who um, Sally mm-hmm. Field sort of takes interest in after Jeff Bridges is just being a drunken asshole to her. He's fine. He doesn't really have a whole lot of screen time, but um, yeah, he's there. So no, Robert England returns to the gym one night, I think with um, our lovely lady, Helena Calianiotes. Oh, yes. Um, who I enjoy, like, if you, we talked about her being in the car in Five Easy Pieces, mm-hmm. the one who's just so negative, and, and she is the exact same in this movie, except for she teaches yeah. karate, which mm-hmm. loved her. Um, yes. To a group of, like, older women who, she just, like, they're terrible students, like, they're just terrible, terrible students, they can't do anything, <laughs> which was great. But anyway, so Robert England comes it. back uh, to find these three guys in the gym they've broken in and i'm still not sure what they were planning to do because it looked like they were trying to set up i don't know if they were trying to start a fire or something but well it was i i thought later on well yeah okay they were so they were the same guys that they got in a fight with at the bar at the beginning but they were sent i think by yes the bigwig guys or no well, I think it was suggested by Craig to his one sort of friend who's with that same real estate group. Hal. Yeah, where he's like, you sent those guys. Yeah. But then I thought Hal like denied it. So then I was like, well, I don't really know what happened. Okay. Like, those guys had at least two there. different motivations. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And I, and I don't know what that would have accomplished if he did send them. Like you busted the place up and, and then... I don't know. I, I, I couldn't tell what the plan was. But what's important here is that I think Robert England showed up after having gone, been out for the night. He went and they played pool. Naturally, you take your pool stick with you, your cue. Um, and he's got it folded, not folded, broken down in a bag because you need a bag to carry this thing around in, of course. Yep. 
and he's using it as a weapon to swing around at these guys. And there's one point where they cut to the guys have like uh, overtaken him a little bit and they've got him subdued. A couple of them are holding back and one of them takes the pool cue out and says, left ball, side pocket, bam, hits Robert England in the crotch, which <laughs> right in the nuts. Ooh, I, I yeah. can't believe I've never heard that before. Uh, oh, in that man. exact context, it uh, was great. Yep. Um, lastly, Craig, I was looking through my notes and there yeah. was one detail about the parents that was mentioned that they died on their way to North Carolina in a plane mm -hmm. and crashed into a mountain in the fog, which what if that was Asheville, dude? Man, what if you find them living out in the woods? Ooh, maybe they didn't die. They Wait, just wanted is... to get away from their son and exactly. awful Birmingham. And who wouldn't? <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Well, I, it would make sense in the in the world of this movie if uh, one day there's a sequel and that's exactly what it's about somehow. Until that yes. day, I think we covered Stay Hungry in its entirety. And I want to say, like, yeah, there's definitely some story issues that you can pick apart here. I can kind of see why it got the reviews it did and why it's, like, right now sitting at a 5.6 out of 10 stars on IMDb. If you appreciate or enjoy the stuff that's surrounding all of that in this film, mm -hmm. I did. I, I really did. I, I think, like, that is just, like, that's it. That's the, the deal for you. It, it, you're either going to like it or not based on that. Probably, right. unless you're like a Schwarzenegger, just diehard super fan, and you're just like, yeah, of course I love to stay hungry because Schwarzenegger is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> he is really good in it, but it's not, you know, he's not yes. the main attraction here. Um, True. So, I, to me, it's it's a total recommendation for '70s film fans to start with, and then Bridges fans, and probably you know, on down the line there. But uh, I sense probably still maybe a cautious. Or not recommendation from you, Craig? No, I mean I, I would recommend it to anyone who, yeah, who 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 likes those movies in mm -hmm. general, uh, other Ravelson movies and and kind of those '70s movies where, you know, there's there is sort of a sense of like anything could happen. Um, I don't know if it's a story that holds together really well that like at the end you're gonna think, wow, like I really went on a journey, but. But I mean, it is really something to see. It is not, it is not like anything else, really. Like it is, it is kind of its own thing. So, okay, well, Softworks, and mm -hmm. yeah, it is available right now on Amazon Prime. So, yeah, if you think you're one of these people, maybe you should hop on it before. Who, who knows? It will disappear. Actually, you know what? It says it's on Prime Video. I watched it on Tubi. Now that I think about it, yes. complete with advertisements, which kind of sucks, but I, it looked fine. The, the transfer was pretty good. Yeah, I thought it looked yeah, pretty good. Yeah, I think it's maybe on Vudu as well, which is also ads. But anyway, it's out there, obviously. So go check it out. Um, you'll get to see Sally Field, maybe, like you haven't seen her before. Mm -hmm. Adorable Sally mm -hmm. Field, if nothing else. And uh, yeah, if you have seen it, let us know what you thought. We're always happy to hear from you. Craig, any last words? Slicker than snot on a doorknob. The best. Bye-bye. <laughs>